Good morning, everybody. There's a Bible verse that I want to start with, and then we'll probably talk about some more Bible verses. <coughs> highly likely. Turn to your neighbor and say, highly likely. This Bible verse is found in Proverbs 29, 18. Who knows it by heart? Come on. Just kidding. let you find it. I didn't know where it was, and I love the Bible a lot, so don't feel like a dummy. I had to go Google search it. It says this in 29.18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. And the, the language there actually in 29.18, it actually says, where there is no prophetic vision. That's the Hebrew, like the original language that this is written in. It's, it carries this connotation it's not just people cast off restraint and then choose to build their own vision of life and wisdom where there's not a vision, but without a prophetic vision, without a vision that is birthed in the heart of God that finds a human heart receptive and responsive to what God wants to do in the earth. When there's that beautiful collision of God's heart and a human heart that says yes and he can speak and find good soil, that's prophetic vision. You see the difference? How many know every company has a vision statement? But not every company's vision statement is going to save and remake the world. No offense to your agriculture, whatever your business is. Um, but there's this verse about prophetic vision, this vision that is birthed in the heart of God. Everyone say it starts with God. But how many of you believe that whenever God wants to do something in this realm, the earth, he partners with humanity to accomplish it? Whenever God wants to do something, he looks for people to do it in and in through and then with. Nod your head at me if you're tracking. Um, so without prophetic vision, without a vision that is birthed in the heart of God, that finds human lives, hearts submitted to his wisdom and his ways, people end up cast, casting off restraint. And, and another way to put it is, people then just kind of start reaching and trying to produce their own vision or version of what life is all about. And how many know how that goes in the end? It's called the Wild West, right? Without a prophetic vision. And it goes on, I love this, um, in this same Bible verse. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Why is that verse like, why is that there? Without a prophetic vision or revelation of God's heart, the human heart, that submission, that yes. In the back half of the, of the verse is this, blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Did you know that once we have seen what is in God's heart and then he finds soil within us that have a huge yes, you know the wisest thing we could do in that moment is obey the voice of what he said. Do you get it here? The real issue is, can we hear from him? Can we see what's in his heart? And then are we willing enough to forego whatever our vision or version of the good life is or church is supposed to be or whatever? Are we willing enough to let go of that in order to pursue the thing he has put in his heart and then put in our heart? And did you know that when we see and when we hear and when we know what's in his heart, the wisest thing you can do is to go after that thing with all of your life. How many believe that? How many believe that if God speaks, the wisest thing I could do is to heed what he's saying? <laughs> and he's not looking for me to, okay, God, but like, are you... 
Did you know when God speaks, he doesn't really care at that point what your or my opinion is. He wants us to say yes to what he's saying. So this is what I'm going to share, okay? I was reading through Leviticus, and I was skimming a lot. That deserved more than one little, like, that's a funny Bible joke, because everyone skims through Leviticus. Unless you're just gruesome or weird and like blood and sacrifice. And I love blood, the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice. All it, types and shadows, I know. <laughs> All of it's inspired and beautiful. I'm not belittling the Bible. So all you mad people at me right now. I was skimming through Leviticus. <laughs> but I found this Bible verse. And I, I'm telling you, I'm taking it. I, it is the prophetic revelation, the vision of God's heart for our church in this hour, and I am going to share that with you this morning. Is that okay? Say amen. Um, so this is scary to me because I'm an Enneagram 4, which means I'm an artist and an original. I have to remake myself every day. So those are my battles. Your battles probably aren't that, I promise. Every day it's got to be a new song, a new idea, a new thought. So this talk kind of scares me. But I'm ready to build something that lasts through a thousand generations. So here we go. Fear and all. <laughs> Yikes. Leviticus 19, right in the middle of all the skimming verses, I've, God gave me this verse, this prophetic revelation, this vision. And I'm going to share with my church family today. Verse 23 of chapter 19. I love, love the title, the, the inserted title of the chapter Various Laws. <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much. I just love it. Verse 23, when you enter the land and you plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden or unclean. It must not be eaten. Everyone say it must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all, say all, all of its fruit will be holy. How much? An offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. And in this way, your harvest will be increased. I am the Lord your God. I know, thunderous, I know. Super great verse, right? What are you saying, buddy? Can I just tell you what I sense the Holy Spirit said to me when I accidentally read that Bible verse? Nod your head at me if I can just share it. <sighs> Cornerstone Church, I've been pastoring here, and May 8th will be three years. So after May 8th will be the beginning of fo the fourth year. Everyone say, May 8th. Nothing necessarily significant about that date. but So as I'm reading this Bible verse, just before the Lord, early morning hours, drinking coffee, I, I look back at the soon-to-be three-year history. And there's a longer history than three years at Cornerstone Church. Many, many years, many, many people have come, gone, come, gone, come back, come, gone. Long history. So I'm not ignorant to think there's not some longer history, but I can only speak what God was saying out of this verse. And I believe that part of this three-year journey Many ups, many downs, coming, going, trial, try this thing, try that thing, try this thing. Some have stuck, some have not. If you're with me, say amen. <clears throat> and I felt like the Lord said, it's okay, it's all a part of the process. 
Come on, how many are in a process right now of discovery, of learning, of growing, of repenting, of being challenged, of being changed? Come on, am I talking to anyone today? We never stop growing. The Lord has no problem constantly challenging us with what's on his heart and then how it doesn't fit with his heart. And there's this constant dialogue the Lord is having with us if we can hear him. Right? Constantly he's talking to us. Hey, what about this? What about that? Try this. Let go of that. Let that die. So for three years, there's this issue of the fruit will be forbidden. And I read that. I was like, oh, okay. Coming up on three years, lots of ups, lots of downs, tons of process, tons of transformation, tons of trial and error. But in the fourth year, come on, say, someone say, in the fourth year. No, come on, someone say, in the fourth year. All of its fruit will be holy. An offering of praise to the Lord. So some of you are brand new to the journey. Some of you are really old to the journey. Some of you came 18 months ago. Some of you are here for the third week. Congratulations, you get to hear the pastor's vision, personal vision and corporate talk. It's awesome. The call of God on my life, I'm speaking of my life. I was born into the kingdom in the fire of God. I am an all or nothing personality. Shocker. When God, I say this, I just say it because testimonies create faith. When God got a hold of me, immediately he gave me the mindset of, if I was that good at being a sinner, I want to take all of that energy, effort, ambition, dreams, and desires, and I want to throw it into becoming a saint. That's just how he made, that's just how he made me. So I was born and I was baptized in his fire, and it was this fire for his presence, for his holiness, for his word. I wanted to be with him. I got up early in the morning before school for an hour and I prayed. I would come home and throughout the day and I'd read the Bible an hour a day. I would memorize chapters of the Bible. I was born into the fire. I was not born to be balanced. I was born to burn for God. That wasn't my idea. I didn't choose that. You have to understand, I responded to that invitation to become one who burns for God. I didn't think about it one day. I want to just somehow get close to God. God gripped my heart and when he grips your heart you know it when he comes and he invites you in on what he's doing and he marks your life that's something you don't get over come on somebody testify and say amen so i was born for the fire i was born for his holy love and i just had a revelation of the fear of the lord i was a 16 year old and before that time it was a little bit of lust a little bit of drinking a little bit of this and but when when i when i was baptized in his fiery love it was I am, I'm not just going to dance around the appearance of evil. I'm running into the fire of God. I just, that's why like that, that conversation about purity and the struggle with porn or lust or, 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 or vileness, like part of it I don't register with. I knew I battled my whole life with it until his fire purified my heart, and it was a game changer. And so anyone who talks to me about having a hard time with their eye gate and letting, I have hope and empathy for you, but I believe there is a, there's a greater fire than the fire that tries to draw you in so that it can burn you up. And so I'm just, I'm just reflecting on my own journey. It's this, this zeal, this priestly zeal for the presence, for the word, for the holiness of God. I mean, I had a revelation of the fear of the Lord. Like, I, I didn't, like, just wake up one day and, like, oh, I ought to think about pleasing him. I knew he saw me and I wanted to please him. I knew, I knew that, 
I knew that Jesus came and so that that gap between his holiness and our sin could be crossed and there'd be victory through his blood. I just knew it. I didn't have to even get taught it, although I was taught it. But there was just, I was born into the fire. I'm not saying that's everyone's story. I'm just sharing my story. And the Lord just marked my heart. I broke my wrist when I was 16. I was a decent basketball player. My dad was an All-American. My sister was an All-American. I had basketball. It was this, and all that that meant at a large, you know, 2,000-something school to be popular and to fit in. And I broke my wrist. But on my 16th birthday, I got a guitar. And I remember with that wrist, I remember I bought it, and because of the pain of learning how to play chords, I, I put my guitar in my closet. I didn't view it. Now I'm just now remembering this until four months later. I went to my closet and I got that old beautiful Epiphone guitar and I started playing. I started singing. And anyone who's ever tried to play an instrument, usually you can't play and sing together for a season. Come on, any musicians out there. It's like something in my brain won't connect with singing and playing. No one? Okay. So I don't know what that is for you. Driving and thinking. I don't know. Chewing gum and talking. Whatever that like, double thing is for you. And I remember at 16 years old, I got invited to go speak and lead worship. I can't even lead worship at this point to a youth group in Maryland. And I remember I had this list of songs, list of songs. And I still can't play what's on the paper, strum and sing. How many know that is a slight problem if you're about ready to fly across the country and lead worship for a youth group? Okay, you may not say, that's a, that's a real problem. I remember one day, I remember it. I'm playing, and I see the notes, and I read the words, and all of a sudden, boom. Every song in the library I could sing and play. Literally, right before having to fly and go. It was just so funny. So funny. And I remember going, and it was awesome, you know, singing and being able to play and sing in this youth group, and there was cute girls, and, you know, I was 16, so get over it. But I was, in, I was in holy fire love, so it was, you know, we're good. <laughs> Joking. And I came home, and, and uh, you know, basketball was cool, and I had two knee surgeries, and it was like, okay, I'm going to let go of basketball. And I just started leading worship. And, and our youth group, our little, you know, our, our youth group, I grew up in a large church, just began to explode. Hundreds of kids, so whole sport teams would come. and the wor- I mean, there was like, I've done ministry for all these years, almost, almost 20 years, and from the first note, there was just electricity in the room. There was just a hunger for God's presence. I'm just telling you my story. And then I went to college, and, and how many of you know we've got to grow into, in the realm of character, a place in the Spirit so that our gift doesn't crush and kill us? Come on, how many have seen gifted people fall like the devil, the angel, who was the most gifted and glorious? Obviously no character. And so I went to college, and I remember sitting in these uh, worship meetings going, I know for a fact I'm better than all these guys, but I was a freshman in college, so I I was just overlooked. And rightfully so. Come on, someone say amen. (laughs) You don't want someone leading worship who's primary orientation is I'm better than these guys I'm more anointed I have more Bible knowledge they don't know anything 
So I entered college after being, you know, this amazing worship leader in this awesome high school ministry of worship and his presence. And when I would preach, and I remember preaching as a junior higher, and 60 kids got saved. Just anointing and just, again, that the gospel burning in Jesus in my heart. And so I go to college, and it was like the Lord invited me to the wilderness. Thank you, Lord. How many know the wilderness is the Lord's idea? We would, li- we would love to be delivered from Egypt and then show up on the doorsteps of the promised land, but we wouldn't have known the posture that was needed to be cultivated in the wilderness was the posture that would help us possess the promise, which is that place of God-reliance, that revelation that every time I go outside my tent, there's bread for me that day, the revelation that the Lord can cause water to flow from rocks, the revelation that God can split seas, and that's just the beginning. How many know the wilderness posture is the posture that helps sustain us in the place of promise? That God orientation, a vision of his goodness, a front row seat to his provision. Come on, am I talking to anyone who's been through a wilderness? And so I had to enter into this wilderness season of being humbled, which is always everyone's favorite. I remember there was this huge gathering that I was the prayer leader of. I was 18, and it was so anointed. Hundreds, hundreds, and my church could seat three or four thousand in Kansas City. And I mean, just the glory. I had all these prayer cards and they were tied to scriptures. Shocker, I love the word. And I just I I would share a scripture, I'd kind of give a mini sermon, and I'd say, Let's pray. Pray, 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 pray. Next point, scripture, mini sermon, let's pray. And then this kid who just had just moved to town, super good-looking star quarterback of Olathe East. He got up, and he was the testimony guy. Didn't even use a Bible verse, quoted some random book. Maybe, he used, maybe the book had a Bible verse quote. And after this massive event, massive event, all, there's camera crew and, and interviews, and they all went to him. He had just moved into town. People, man, Olathe was my hometown. College church was my home church. Come on, am I talking to somebody today? And I had to leave the room, this massive 4,000-seater auditorium. I had to leave the room. I had a GMC Jimmy. I got into my front row, my front, my front seat, the driver's seat. I grabbed the wheel, and I began to weep. I wept. And the Lord, as clear as you and I sitting across the table for coffee, the Lord said, who's it for? Who's it for, dude? Your heart of fire, your passion for the word and holiness, your desire to preach the gospel on massive scale, small scale, your desire to lead a generation into this walk and lifestyle of God's kingdom. Who's it for? I was like, you! (laughs) You know, know, and after I composed myself, I went back in and there were, how many know it's the wilderness is God's idea? I remember then, obviously, you know, growing up and being overlooked and all this sort of thing, and and uh, it was all God's idea. How many know God knows where to find you? Hey, if God's taking you into a season of hiddenness, the last thing you want to do is try to be found, except for by Him. 
You know why? If he's taking you to a wilderness season and you resist that thing and you try to do your public ministry before the wilderness can have its way in your spirit, man, you come out, you may think he's with you, but presumption always leads to death. It was a hidden season. The Lord was fortifying and fashioning. He was giving depth to the fire. Because come on, come on, somebody. It's not just who can be the loudest or spout. He wants us to become people of depth, of richness, of character. Not paper thin, cheap imitation stuff. Come on. How many know the difference between depth and character and the cheap imitation stuff? And how many know quality costs something? Man, that's good preaching. You pay, come on, you pay for quality. And that quality that the Spirit began to form in me, I couldn't give him money for it. He wanted my yes, no matter who saw it, or who it impressed, or how big the accolades, or how long the length of the applause, that yes was the cost. The yes, and then the next yes, and then the next yes. I don't care, Lord, it's for you. Come on, somebody. I was chosen in love, and I was chosen for love, and that will always be the foundation. Always, that will always be the foundation, buddy. And so I, you know, went to college, and yeah, was, I felt like college was just one long, beautiful wilderness. <laughs> In hindsight, it was very beautiful. <laughs> very beautiful. And then I came out to California, got here as soon as I could. Sorry, I tried as fast as I could. And a beautiful redhead had a whole lot to do with it. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> My wife. I may or may not have heard God's voice perfectly clear because she was kind of in my line of sight. <laughs> my beautiful wife, of whom I've been married 11 plus years, four beautiful kids and no more. I moved to California, and I was the best thing that ever happened in my life. And I remember in California, I've been a worship leader at that point for, I don't know, seven years. I remember one time I was in California. This was not the church I grew up in. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us forever. But when I moved to California, when the song was over, the Lord put a new song in my heart. You are faithful, Jesus. I know that I can trust you. I can put all my hope in you. That happened when I moved to California. I didn't do that in Kansas. I didn't, in Kansas, I, I knew how to get through a song list, but it was when I moved to California that the Lord began to open my heart that when the song's over, he's not done talking. The Lord added, he gave me a new song. And he began to open this realm of when, when you posture yourself 
to live in the, the revelation of his holy fire and his love. And, and then you give yourself to abiding in this and memorizing and chewing on it and studying it and abiding in it and obeying it. And then when you take that unbelievable combination of revelation of his holiness, the awe and the wonder and the worthiness of, that he possesses and is that he's due, and then you've ground yourself in this, because how many know if it ain't grounded on this, it's not going to stand? But then you take that combination onto the stage, whether it's a group of 2,000 or 4,000 or it's just you and Jesus, that combination provides the context for when the song is over, the words are just beginning. And that's, that, I learned that in California. The Lord, just, I, remember, I remember the worship set. I sang, and then the Lord just said, keep singing. And then I went on staff for two years at New Life, and I did the worship and the youth and college. And, and then I resigned and I traveled the country for two years. And I went to 20 states and I sang and I preached. And I thought, people need to know I'm the preacher man now. <sighs> I'm not just no stinking worship leader. How many know there's a hierarchical fake ladder in every realm, even in the church? That you got to get through this and do a little bit of youth ministry, a little bit of worship, and then you can get to the preacher. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I didn't know it, ex it, it exists, I promise. It exists. And anyway, I needed to be the preacher. So I traveled, and I did not know what I was doing. And then my wife and I got pregnant. Mostly she got pregnant. <laughs> she got pregnant. Miscarried, pregnant again a year later. And I was like, I don't want to travel. So I got back on staff at New Life. And I just did, I was like the utility boy. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a lot of that. And then after a couple of years, they shifted me over into the worship department. Oh, gosh, here I am again with this whole worship thing. I heard the greatest quote. Remember, everyone heard of Billy Graham? Anyone know that guy? <sighs> Billy Graham's worship leader, forget his name. Some of you may know it by heart. Clive? Cli Cliff? Thank you, I remember somebody. Cliff used to joke with Billy Graham, Billy, eventually one of us is going to be out of a job, and it's not me. How I many know we don't need to preach when he comes in glory, but we'll worship? So he used to joke with a famous Billy Graham, dude, you're going to be out of a job someday. I'm the worship leader. So I went over to the worship, and, and how many know it's really hard that if you, if you begin to worship, he begins to show who he is, and when he shows who he is, how many know prayer starts rising up? Because how many know when he reveals in the place of worship, he, he actually wants us to get a hold of who he is, and then he wants us to come into agreement with it and then speak it back to him. And that's that wonderful loop called worship and prayer. And they're actually never supposed to stop and be broken. And so I kind of changed the title. I was the worship and prayer pastor. You're welcome. It was awesome. But it was like this thing where the Lord, um, oh, I forgot to say this. I built a prayer tabernacle at the vertex if you've been to new life over off james way in pismo you know that the vertex is like this eight million dollar building that does not need any extra help of building things inside of it it's a beautiful state-of-the-art facility 
I built a PVC pipe with 14 foot high walls uh, about the size, half of this stage, a prayer tabernacle in the corner of the vertex. You remember, Spin, I got, I got, it was the ugliest thing you have ever seen. It was sewn with two different color fabrics, like a dark navy and a light teal. It was ugly, it was almost as ugly as sin. Not quite. So I built a prayer tabernacle. And I was probably the only one that ever used it. Because it was ugly, man. And I remember it was coming up on Easter season. And so we were going to use the vertex for overflow. And they're like, we got to take, we have to take Chad's. There's no way to say this, Chad, but we got to take your ugly as sin prayer tabernacle down. Because visitors are going to come, and God knows they don't want to come back to a church that has a prayer tabernacle in the corner of their youth center. I am not bitter or mad. It was ugly. But let me say this. i got to hurry up. Jeepers. I'm telling you my history so that what I'm about to share to you has decades of context. You hear me? I'm telling you this backstory so what I'm about to share, that it'll only take a few minutes and then years. <laughs> a few minutes and then years. My whole life, I have been at odds with God. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Here's what I mean. Not like in the realm of God, I'm submitted, I love you. That was, like at 16, it was like... That wasn't the issue. But I feel, I sense that for almost 15 years, 16 years, I've been like negotiating with God. Are you sure that's what you want me to give my heart to? Are you, don't you need me to be the preacher guy? Don't you need me to like plant churches someday and like go do a lot of great huge things and win a lot of lost people? I've gotten to see people come to, I've seen a lot of that. Don't you need me to help, like, institute an, an unheard of small group curriculum and <laughs> lead a healthy church? And I have been in a negotiation for years with God on whether or not I will give myself to his calling to help establish a corporate identity of worship with the word and prayer. I've wrestled them, totally honest. There's this worship, I'm going to now fast forward just a couple years, and I'm almost done. Last April, so we're almost a year ago, there's, long, 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 long story. I spent hours in this room that week, right around April, uh, April 18th. I spent hours trying to fix, you know, get our sound system so we could start having just prayer and worship and so we could record it and then post it on our website and give it to people. And I remember just spending hours, 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 hours. I was in here hours. Someone say hours. Hours. Because I knew, okay, God, I'm actually going to say yes to this worship and prayer thing. Maybe. <laughs> that Sunday, the week of spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, hours our sound system collapsed that sunday so that would have been like april 22nd 
And it was only because a little cable got un- unloosened. We didn't know it at the time. And in 20 minutes, we went and got the Life Center sound system and set it up in 20, 20 25 minutes. And then had, still had a worship service with this. Was anyone here for that? Okay, some of you remember that years ago. Uh, last year, rather, not years ago. And I remember the Lord just whispering. Because I was like, what the heck? I spent hours to prepare. I'm like trying to say yes to this thing, God, that I've fought for years because I didn't think it was good enough. Because I needed, I needed to do all this other stuff that I do anyway. But I remember the Lord, just as, as simple as a whisper as you were hang, having coffee with me, he said, it's not going to be business as usual the days ahead. Come on, how many know we are not in, we are not in business as usual days? Come on, somebody, not now, not in the West, not right now. We're not in business as usual. The way forward is going to look different. And that can scare us, oh gosh, or we can say, come Holy Spirit, shape us and make us and fill us and form us. Ground us in this so we can follow your voice. And I remember the Lord just said, it's not business as usual. The days I'm taking you into, you're going to have to be adaptive and agile. How many of you know, when you're carrying a bunch of stuff, it's hard to be adaptive and agile? My wife and I just watched that free solo documentary. Anyone seen it? National Geographic, the dude who climbed El Capitan with no rope. Don't, don't watch it. You won't sleep. I, it was a bad idea. Guys, three and a half hours with his hands and claws and cliffs. That was the freakiest. My point is, homeboy to do that, he couldn't carry a bunch of stuff. He had to run trim and lean and mean. Are you tracking with me? How do you know God's inviting his church in 2019 to ascend the hill of the Lord, and it's really hard to climb if you're carrying a bunch of stuff? I'm just, I'm not, okay, hurry up, hurry up. So the Lord just whispered, it's not business as usual. I'm bringing you into a day where you've got to be adaptive and agile. So I'm driving home, and I'm kind of still pondering this, and I throw open YouTube, and there's this worship and prayer movement in Dallas called Upper Room. And I, I, I've listened to some of their songs, very famous songs that the global church is now singing, and I'd never listened to their preacher. Not because I don't think he would have been awesome, but I just said never. And I, at this Sunday, that Sunday, I threw on a, a message of his. I followed their Instagram link, and I, I was just listening. And the first, uh, the first thing out of his mouth is, it's not going to be business as usual. And I'm like... My whole body's like, <laughs> you know, anyone get the holy bumps? You can think I'm eccentric, but you, you know when God's speaking. Come on, my sheep know my voice, John chapter 10. You know when he's speaking. We have killed people by saying he's a God who doesn't speak no more. He speaks to us through his word principally, but the Holy Spirit can speak to you. And we'll never betray this, amen. So I'm watching the first thing out of his mouth not business as usual and then he begins for some reason on that sunday he shared the statistics from their youtube channel by that i mean this and he wasn't boasting he's not an arrogant dude that's why god can trust him with the global movement he was sharing it to stir faith in his people he's saying there's been 96 million views on this song he had his 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 tech guy give him all the readouts and this many streams, and, and for six years, this movement called Upper Room, God said, do not record anything, don't broadcast anything, don't show anything on the internet, just offer it to me. Until a prophet came to town and said, I see Jesus with an HDMI cable in his mouth. And they discerned together. They said, okay, I think it's time to broadcast. And obviously it's blown up. Because how many know, without prophetic 
vision, we perish. But when we respond to it, the fruit God can take care of. So I'm listening, and he shares that story. And he's saying, you know, we've had this much streams and these many subscribers on YouTube and this, this, and this. And he said, and do you know the number one country that streams our worship and prayer? The country of Chad. You can't make it up. I can show you my journal entries. What do you know about the country in Africa about Chad? No one knows their GDP, their main export. No one, none of you know what that is. I don't need to look it up. What are they known for? <laughs> Apparently streaming night and day worship and prayer. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Lord, is this thing on? Are you talking to me right now? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Just, you can leave if you ever need to leave. I'm almost done. So that was a year ago. So I, how many know, I was, at this point, I've been saying incremental yeses, but not a big yes. How many know he'll work with our incremental yeses, but they will never, ever replace the big yes that, re, that is required to carry the mantle and the, and the call of God on your life. Little yeses he loves and he takes and he works with, but how many know he's patient and he knows that the big yes and then the puppy can crumble. The domino, I just saw dominoes, you know, like, <laughs> so the country of Chad, so by this time, I'm like, a, you know, I was just stoked. I was like, okay, Lord, all week I've been trying to, like, give myself to this worship and prayer thing and to equip and call people to do it and to be it myself. And All right, so fast forward to October. I was at a conference in Texas with 1,600 people, people from all over the nations re- represented. I, several of us went, eight of us went, and and again, I'm, I'm on the stage, and there's, you know, thou, 50, whatever, lots of people, and I'm singing, and again, the Lord does that new song thing and just releases his heart, and I had some guy come up to me, and he goes, when you sang that song, you began to release God's heart, electricity just went right through my heart. And it, that was a very, I haven't recorded, I'll share them with you, it's embarrassing to me, but the Lord is on it, because he just, it's who I am. I didn't choose it. Do you understand? I didn't choose it. Now, I said yes to who he said I am, but I didn't say, one day, Lord, I want, I want to carry your heart for worship and prayer and of the holiness of God. He put that in me. Okay. So I was at a conference. You know, everyone was, oh, oh it's so awesome, blah, blah, blah. And I went to the restroom. Come on, how many know God speaks in that sacred place? I could tell you songs. I'm a songwriter. I could tell you songs that I've gotten choruses or melodies while going on a restroom break coming back with the song. Okay, I'm just saying. It is a place of revelation should you choose to turn your heart to the Lord. <laughs> and the Lord whispered, because the first 17 months I was here, we did, we did worship and prayer every week and, you know, on Wednesday nights, and then we were like, well, kind of, we had all these conferences about discipleship, and I, am, I can quote, I love discipleship. It's the command, the commission. Oh, my goodness, I love it. With all my heart, books, Bible, I love discipleship. Obedience, being like Jesus, my favorite thing in the world. And the Lord whispered to me in the bathroom, do you know, buddy, that whether it's a room of 1,600 or three people, it doesn't move my heart any different. Now you all, we all say that in Christian language and try to encourage each other in our smallness. But when the Lord says it to you, it comes different. Whether there's six or 1,600, it doesn't move my heart. It makes you feel different because it's cool, big, not me. Because how many know the Lord's just looking for one person whose heart's fully given over to him so he can stuff them with his power? 
And so I just, I remember, I remember at the conference, now this is last October, so eight, six months ago, six months ago, again, that worship prayer, that priestly, like, call your people to it. Don't stop, quit, quit giving me little yeses, say a big yes. I remember looking at all the speakers thinking, I know, okay, so I'm still on, on the journey. Everyone say, I'm on the journey. I remember just going, Lord, I know I could preach here. I, I know, like, yeah, I could, and the Lord's like, you could be the preacher, dude, when you're like 40, 50, and 60. Right now, I'm inviting you, Chad, to say yes to your priestly calling, to establish a house and a space and a place devoted to my presence as their primary orientation, and out of that, mission, next generation, coffee shops, businesses, et cetera, et cetera. But the primary posture is one of worship and prayer morning, noon, and night. And I remember going, okay. If you've got my 40s and my 50s and my 60s, come on, how many believe he's got your 40s or your 50s, your 60s, or your 70s, or your 80s figured out if you'll say yes to him wherever you're at right now? So I I said a soft yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Soft yes. I came home and I started reading prayer books, which I read when I was 16, 17, 18, because I was born for this stuff. And in 2019, the, I, the, the, the prophetic word from Joshua 1, I, it was over our entire region because I heard other preachers preaching the same message. It, it was crazy that 2019 was a year to conquer the, 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 the land within so that we can conquer the world without. How many, how, many have been, how many have found victory inside this year like never before as you've said yes to God's sanctifying work of his spirit? He's beginning to conquer the territory within so that he can send us anywhere as more than conquerors. Okay. So this year, I've been up in our original prayer room, which is still fully functional, amazing, cozy. God's there closer to you there than anywhere, literally, because you're higher and he's lower. It's awesome. And in 2019, I just began to say, Lord, if I'm going to say yes to this thing, that I've been saying soft yes to since I was 16, soft yeses, then I gotta, I gotta go conquer. So since this 2019, I've tried to be in that room alone for at least hour-long periods. This has not replaced my devotion. I still get up early. I say that not to brag, but to tell you, I still meet with Jesus first thing in the morning, and I come to work, and then I go to work. And so I felt in 2019, the Lord said, Chatty, I want you to go to that room. I want you to close the door. I want you to sing my word to me for hour-long periods. And I just want you to build that muscle. Because how many of you know we've got to build that stamina, that strength? Because we are in a YouTube, oh, look, squirrel generation. Those of you who have seen Disney's Pixar movie, Up, get that reference. Squirrel. How many know we live in a distracted age? So, like, Focusing on something, namely someone, is going to take some work, some, inter- tra- some transformation. So the Lord said, go to work. Win that battle personally so you can lead people corporately in that same victory. So I began. First couple were really tough. Because I was just taking a Bible verse and my guitar, and I was singing that, that whole chapter to God, making up new songs. Just the, the Bible, singing it. I'm like, gosh, hour, hour. Okay, done, I got to go. <laughs> But by like the second or third, holy cow, where'd the hour go? Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. Come on, I got one. I got an amen over here. So I went to, part of why I went to New York, and now we're really winding down. I, I, I went to New York, as many of you know, a couple weeks ago, because I, I was just at a place where I knew 
my million little yeses needed to meet the big yes around the corner. So I went to New York and I sat under my, one of my favorite pastors in America and I, I sat in their prayer room for three hours a day with this journal. I just sat. I didn't have any massive like whites of my eyes rolled back, amazing moments, but I just sat. I went. How many know if we go, he can meet us in the going? And I sat there and I, I, I you know, I just sat and, okay, Lord. And then I came home. And I said, honey, either we're moving to a city to help establish this, a big city, or we're moving to Santa Maria, and we're going to build morning, noon, and night prayer in this space for the sake of the city, the region, for the nations. And I, I just... She's all, I don't really like big cities, so I guess we're moving to Santa Maria. It's even scary to share that. I'm intimate, because there's, you know, saying yes doesn't mean all the, it's just, and so here's the word. Then when I got home, that's when that Leviticus chapter came. That random, random verse. And then I was with Andrew and a team, we were sitting right here in the office, and Andrew said, did you know that in 2020, Hancock is going to be a four-year university? And as soon as he said it, I said, how many know this location is not here by accident? Come on. This location is not here by accident. Thousands of students, both young and old, need to know there's a father that loves them. And then God simultaneously moves on uh, Vanessa, who goes to church here. About 18 months ago, I took a class at Hancock to try to be missional and meet people, you know, share the gospel. And, you know, I learned a lot about business and why I don't want to be in one. <laughs> we got to know our strengths, right? Come on. <laughs> and our weaknesses. But my final project, I got to create a coffee shop, and I called it Refuge Coffee. And I had this whole business plan. I logoed, and I'm really good with words, so our slogan was amazing. And, and I remember presenting this to, to the students. I had not told any of them I was a pastor yet, just because I, I wasn't trying to strong arm. I just wanted to love and meet and blah, 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 blah. And so I was first, and I'm a decent communicator when I'm focused. And so I get done with my presentation, and the hands start, where's this coffee shop going to be at? I'm like, then I said in front of the whole class, I said, well, you know that big building over there? I like, oh yeah, we pass it every day. Corners, I said, if I was doing a coffee shop, the first place I'd probably look is picking a space and edit, editing it, whatever. Like, oh, really? Like, but I'm not really doing a coffee shop, so wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so the Lord, Vanessa just went to the youth conference and she's all fired up like, oh, we got to do a coffee shop. And, and I, I'm just saying, as soon, and then, and then uh, Paula comes into the, the new prayer room, which is right back here, that you can get it, this space, choir room. It's easier, more accessible, where we're going to do this worship and prayer. Paula comes in just this last week, and Chad, I really feel like I'm supposed to like help be like, uh, help lead missions. And then this week, we had a, several prayers. We've been filling up that space with just worship and prayer with the word. We read the word and pray the word. Come on, somebody. 
This week alone, I get a random knock on my door from a student from Hancock who wants to come in. And he's all, he's like, he's like, uh, I heard you guys like help, like, like you have a refuge thing or something. Like, yeah, come. That same week, homeboy, Danny, knocks on the door. I'm calling him out. Love you. Sorry to embarrass you. Uh, he randomly knocks on the door. See, you can say it's all random, but if you say yes to the Lord, those random things start happening. And he's all, he goes, do you guys ever play basketball? I'm like, you don't even know, dude. Like, <laughs> so I go and I pray for, for Danny. Patty was the first to him. And I, like, I don't know why. Just after I heard him leave, I'm like, I'm going to go talk to this dude. And I talked to him. We got to pray and he began to weep, not sad tears, but joyful tears because he felt the love of God. And now two weeks in a row, he's been texting me every week. Hey, what time service? Is it okay if I bring people? I'm like, and I'm all, you can bring a million people. He's like, sweet. Sorry, sorry to put you on blast, dude. I, I, didn't give, I didn't ask for permission. And then the next day, come on, the next day, the front office door was open. Two Hancock students walk in like this. Like, they're like, what is this place? Andrew was the one here. Right? Am I, I'm not lying. What is this place? Random occurrences that God would put on a heart to birth the coffee shop. I did a class in it 18 months ago. I didn't really tell many people called it Refuge Coffee. She, without me telling her, we should call it Refuge Coffee. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then this missions thing, which has been on our heart, and it got the gospels for the nations and for the least of these. But the same week... We're sort of saying yes to being a house of prayer and worship and His Word ceaseless night and day, morning, noon, and night as a posture of obedient love and pursuit of Him, a random occurrence. Someone wants to lead the missions. And then a little bit later, a Hancock kid, hey. And then a little bit later, a random dude wants to play basketball. has been bringing his friends and his girl and his cousin family two weeks in a row. And then a little bit later, two students who've never walked on this property walk through the front door and like, what is this place? You can call all those random, or you can say the big yes, the big yes to him, all of the, the, the 150,000 people in this heart, one moment of the Spirit's drawing, a city can be transformed. Just in a moment, like a moment, a moment. So, I'm done. It's 11.40. I don't think any of you are bored. So when I read that Bible verse in Luke 19, let me just end with this. For three years, it's forbidden. It's been ups and downs. It's been difficult, come and going. Incredibly painful for many. What are we doing? We're growing. We're not. We're growing. We're, okay, we're growing again, full. Not, whatever. It's forbidden. You're, 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 you're building foundation stuff. You're growing. You're repenting. You're learning who you are and who you're not. You're, year four is an offering of holy praise to God. So let me just say this. Here's my... My tangible goal, I don't really give a rip how long it takes for us to get there. Come on, somebody. It, it's up to him. Okay? But here's what I want to say. I, in my heart, in my heart, as a goal, because I'm going to know you don't hit any of the targets you don't aim at first. I felt like the Lord said, Chad, I want you and your people to tithe a day a week to worship word and prayer. 
That's 24 hours. Don't be, oh gosh, how are we going to, he'll help us one hour at a time. I just share it to create faith and to stir hunger. I can't sit on it. I've got to share the, the vision with you guys. And what does that entail? In my heart, I want to establish and build with you a culture where there are 24 one-hour slots where there's worship, word, and prayer. Where we just, as a people, set our hearts to seek his face, to call on his name, to sing and declare his infinite glory and worth. We're starting with like six hours. Is the Lord sad? No, he's happy. Because we're saying yes. But I want to give him a day. It doesn't have to be a 24-hour period. It can be four hours, one, eight hours. That's part of why I want to move. I want to live minutes away so we can get those sets in. Like Hal used to say, holy push-ups. Whenever God was about ready to bring revival and awakening to a city, to a region, to a nation, he always first calls his people to the place of prayer. I mean, you just don't have to be, you don't have to be all that intelligent. Read all of the accounts, and he doesn't even need a lot of people for it. A lot of people is cool. But one or two who can get a hold of heaven, get a hold of God's heart, and then release it with agreement. How many know our best days are ahead of us, and he's inviting us, he's inviting me, he's inviting us into that yes to becoming a place that with the worship, word, and prayer, and then a lifestyle of love and obedience that he wants to mess this city and this region up for his glory. So what I'm going to do over the next several weeks is to begin to unpack these implications. So practical invitation. Come. Pull out your bulletins. Hold them up to me. You're like, well, what do you guys do for an hour? Isn't that super boring? Heck no. It's awesome. In your bulletin, you see the, the, the first round of invitations. You can see right on the inside page, those hours, those, those moments where we're setting aside with worship, word, and prayer. Come to one, come to all, come try it out. How many know you can try anything once? And the reason why uh, we're, we're going to begin to add hours as we establish this rhythm together. Come and worship, come and pray, come and bring your heart. And I, be, I believe, uh, listen, God, Chad, does this mean your church is going to, is it going to quadruple and explode? Are you going to reach that? You know what? If I have him, I have everything, and then he can do what he wants to do. Do I want to reach thousands? Yes. But do I want to, more than anything, live out of a posture where his presence and his nature and his word and his goodness and his glory are the primary reason I wake up in the morning? Yes. Because if I have him, everything else will follow. Amen? If we have him, his presence and his word. So the practical invite, thank you for staying. I know it's 1144. I just had to share it. I did the best I could. I had other things to share, but I'm going to just build on this for a couple weeks. If you're with you, can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. Praise God. Well, Chad, what about kids ministry and discipleship and reaching out? And uh, What about it? Heck yeah. (laughs) Right? How many know? How many know? We get to carry his presence with us and do all of life. 
We want to become a culture, a church, where people can be trained how to become people of his presence, people of his word, people, of, people who just love him and want to spread the aroma of him everywhere they go. If that's your heart, can you say amen? Put your hand over your heart like this with me. Lord, your word says my house will be a house of prayer. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are your house. <laughs> so we don't even get to pick. Well, we can pick, but it's better just to say yes to wisdom. Lord, you want to build every person individually into a place of your presence. But Lord, we don't just live as individuals. You're calling us to become a spiritual house, a community, a spiritual family. And together, the Bible says, you want to build us to become a house of prayer. So Lord, as we just start this vision, this conversation, we're not overwhelmed by, oh my goodness, how are we going to get there and hurry up? We're just saying yes. I'm saying yes in front of your people to this mantle, to this invitation to become a house of prayer. And we trust you, God, because where there is prayer, there is your presence. And where there is your presence, everything in your heart can grow. Come on, somebody. Anything in God's heart can grow where there is a place set aside for his holy presence. And so, Lord, mark us, call us, provoke us, cause us to hunger and to thirst for your face, for your righteousness. And we just thank you, Lord, for this, this invitation that each of us has a part to play that you want to write a story of redemption that would blow our minds through us and with us. In Jesus' name, Lord, we just thank you for carving out space even this week as we begin to say yes to your invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.